0: Good evening, we are ready to start. Thank you all for joining us tonight Um, at the second panel discussion as part of our programming collaboration with uh, Soho House. My name is Clara Andrade and I'm the Director of Development and Programming at Untitled Art. I am thrilled to introduce tonight's panel and speakers in a conversation with New York Gallery Directors exhibiting at Untitled Art Miami Beach 2022. We are thrilled to count with Enrique Faria, from Enrique Faria, see Sean Horton from Sean Horton Presents, and Jennifer Carvalho from Carvalho Park in conversation with Omar Lopez Chahud, the Artistic Director and Curator of Untitled Art. Thank you again all for coming tonight. We will of course have some time at the end for questions. And before handing the mic over to Omar, I do want to thank the Soho House for making this event possible. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Clara. Um, I like the music. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Um, And I hope you're all enjoying the beautiful view here in, in Dumbo. It's one of my favorite views of the city. Uh, I want to thank you all for participating in this conversation. I think we have a very interesting group here. Um, Enrique, I know him for many, many, many years. And to me, Enrique has been a reference when it comes to Latin American artists and not only historical artists but also mid-career as well as emerging you have done an incredible job when it comes to really giving them the space that is needed because sometimes being a historical artist from latin america being a mid-career artist doesn't necessarily means that you are not emerging in certain markets and that's 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 something you have done and you will tell us a little bit more about what you do. Shan. <laughs> I also known Shan for almost 20 years. Uh my God, from your first gallery. Yeah, long time ago. And um I um I have to say this this to me is it's a comfortable conversation because these are people that I, I have some connection to and that I have followed for years. But also, Chan, you have... Um, you have the eye. <laughs> you really do. I mean, I've seen you, the way you um, take risks with artists uh, and how you... Um, those artists become really well-known too. <laughs> and then you're still, you're still working with some of them, but but you also embrace new voices and, and you have always kind of pushed the, the parameters or the models of what an, an art gallery means. And maybe you can tell us eventually in the conversation a little bit more about all the different spaces that you have, you have sort of kind of appropriated over the years and made them part of your platform. Because more than a gallery is also a platform. <laughs> I apologize, I have allergies. Uh Jennifer, oh my God. I have I, I you're the newcomer, but yes. but I have to say I I I've been following what you do in, with your partner, and uh, <coughs> I'm sorry. And um, I know you come from a performative background and also the artist that you are, I love your program, by the way. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't have the same connection with you that I have with them that I know over the years. But exactly, exactly. But you have a very interesting way of um of creating a program that pushes the boundaries. And is 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 um as I always say, it's about the space. It's about how things relate to the space, how things how you bring an audience and, and I, I was studying a little bit what you do and, and it's it's almost like the way that the space is designed, the way you mount your exhibitions are very special in many ways because I always say that for an exhibition to be successful, it has to make you navigate, it has to make you feel comfortable. It's not just about observing, it's about movement, it's about how you move in the space and you by incorporating a sculpture performance uh, and other uh, forms of installations, you accomplish that. I'm very curious, and you will tell us more, how you both came together. I know your, your partner also has a, a connection or a history in architecture and, you know, a space architecture performance Absolutely. is something that I feel that you're really uh, bringing it to uh, to life, and 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 congratulations as a newcomer because you've been okay. open now for.
2: Will be four years old.
1: Four years in relation to Enrique, to Chan. Quite young. Yeah, quite young. So here are my questions to you. <laughs> <coughs> and I'm sorry about my. This is a little bit of uh, of just 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 warming it up, you know, like a little warm-up. But my question, to, my question to you, each of you, is can you talk a little bit about your motivation to open a space or an art gallery or a project in New York City, knowing the history of New York? Um, how, how did it happen? Should I start with Enrique?
3: Um, um then... I can I can be the first one to speak. Um, Enrique Faria is my name. I'm originally from Caracas, Venezuela. And since I was uh, a child, I had I had a fascination with uh, art related things. So I liked music, I liked dance, I like performance, I like theater. I like um, art in general, you know sculpture, paintings, et cetera. Et cetera. and um, I uh, grew up uh, in a in a family uh, in a banking family, so I was supposed to be a banker, but I never really wanted to be a banker, so I went to school and i um, went you know, into the banking system. And then I was able to do a master's here in New York at NYU in broadcast journalism and mass communications. And when I realized after working in television for many years that everything that we've been talking about, about, you know, uh, fake news and the relativity of truth and lies that become truth because people repeat them and repeat them. I decided that I wanted to do something else and my refuge was art. So uh, I had an aunt who was a collector and uh, she decided to open up a gallery in New York and she invited me to come over to New York and work with her and that's how it all began. I felt...
1: Can you tell us the
3: year? 1996. Um, I felt that there was a need to talk about Latin America and the art production of Latin America other than trees, palm trees, Carmen Miranda, you know, the, the usual things that people somehow associated with Latin American art. And, um, you know, because for those of you that know about Latin American art, everything sort of started kind of at the same moment, you know, when when in the 60s or when in the 40s, Vanguard movements began uh, as a result of, Um, concrete or neoconcrete or suprematism and that sort of thing that came to America. Argentina came up with Madi and that was something extremely important. The same thing happened in Brazil with neoconcretism. The same thing happened in Venezuela with kineticism and then uh, conceptual and so on and so forth. So I felt that there was a need uh, to showcase Latin American art, uh, in its, in its most open and grand way. And that's what led me to open the gallery.
1: No, this is, uh, absolutely, um, because people think of Latin American, uh, or the Latin American presence in New York and historically, uh. We can go back to the 50s and even earlier than that, that there's always been an interest or not an interest, a presence, um, especially in the 60s and 70s, a a strong presence of uh, Latin American artists in New York. But it didn't get really noticed until not too long ago, but they were doing incredible stuff. Uh, They had, I I always say that Gordon Mata-Clark is the perfect example. People think of him as an artist that has no connections to Latin America, but he does. I mean, to me, he's a Latin American artist because his roots is, I don't know if you agree or disagree with me. Chilean. Chilean, yes, and a lot of people tend to forget that, but um, but I think um, right now in terms of Latin America, um, and this will be a part of the conversation later, where are we now and where are we going, um, but I'm going to go to Sean. <laughs>
4: yeah, I wish I had a story like that, but... Uh... <clears throat> You know, I, I just sort of fell into it, quite honestly. I never set out to open an art gallery. And um, it just kind of found me in some weird way. Um, I opened on in 2006 on the Lower East Side on Eldridge. And at that time, there were about four other galleries there. And um, a series of events that occurred where I was working. And the person I was working for was wasn't paying artists and he was spending all of his money at fancy dinners and he wasn't paying the vendors or the rent. And so I said, screw this, I'm out. I took a couple of artists with me and, um, I went every night for like two weeks, walking around the Lower East Side, looking at spaces and I found a storefront. That was something I could afford. Um, the new museum wasn't open yet. I had no concept of what the new museum was even. I had come to art pretty late, um, and I was an artist. I was a painter, a kind of failed art student. And um, at some point, I just said, you know, maybe I'll try this. I had, I think, $5,000, maybe $6,000 in my bank account. And I signed a lease. Um, Everybody congratulated me, and I was like, what have I done? I've just (laughs) committed to a lease. Why are you congratulating me? Um, So, you know, I put together a program, I kept it going from month to month. Um, Some months I didn't pay the rent, some months I paid the rent twice to catch up for the months I hadn't paid the rent, and it just kept growing. The new museum opened a few months later, and um, then before you knew it, there were several hundred galleries on the Lower East Side, and the rest was history. I still to this day sort of wake up and try and convince myself that I'm an art dealer or a gallerist. It's never something I set out to do. I'm sort of reluctant about the whole process. Um, But here we are.
1: No, I remember visiting your your gallery when people, I don't know if some of you uh, are aware, but um, I co-curated an exhibition in the Lower East Side earlier on, called Lush Life. And it was nine galleries, nine chapters of a book with Franklin Evans. And I remember that way before that, there was Sean. You were there. And and we were supposed to be like uh, showcasing the new art center what's happening in that neighborhood in terms of galleries. (coughs) But you... Remember going to your gallery and having long conversations with you, seeing the artists. It was it was a very special experience because it felt like uh, non profit more than
4: well, it was a yeah, It, more it, it was more that in those on. terms.
1: In those yeah. terms, yeah. And and for me, it was special because. I did you were saying you did a lot of pop-ups, but I come from the non profit sector, which I did for many mm-hmm. years collaborating mm-hmm. before there were so many galleries with the spaces. but some commercial galleries are truly non profits I mean they sell and they reinvest or they give it to the artists and then they start all over again. So
4: well, it's the, it's the only <laughs> in industry that celebrates uh, business for not making money and for taking risks. That's, that's quite true. That's true.
1: That, that is so true. And, and uh, I saw so many great artists in, in your space uh, and I thank you for that because I feel that you're still here and you don't, oh, oh, and you don't so much sense uh, so, anyway, and we'll talk more about it, Jennifer. Uh, four years ago, you decided to open the gallery. So, um, I'm I'm so curious. Yeah.
2: Well, you were correct in saying that my foundation is in classical ballet. I grew up in the New York City performing art world, um, which is an environment of incredible cross pollination between art forms. So. When I transitioned from the performing arts to the visual arts, it felt quite seamless uh, to me. I went on to have a more institutional background. I worked at the Whitney Museum, MoMA, Christie's, but I started my first uh, gallery in Amsterdam, actually. Oh, I didn't uh, <laughs> know that. <laughs> it was uh, much more based on uh, site-specific uh, installations. I didn't know how long I was going to be there, so I would invite an artist into the space to create a work in that space, um, usually living there at the same time. Um, But when I returned to New York three years later, um, the idea of going back to the institutional world felt immensely unfulfilling. Um, So I really wanted to continue those ideas and the work from the Netherlands that I had started in the installation context, but also um, marry it with my performing art background in New York. Mm. So the prelude programming to Carvalho Park um, was performance-based. I would invite uh, a young choreographer, uh, a visual artist, dancers, and sometimes a composer to make a total work in the space, which led to just incredible intersections that were so purposeful and the sparks were so vibrant. Um, since then, we have developed the program into being more exhibition-based, um, but the pursuits are still very much the same. It's really about uh, activating the viewer's environment, as you, you know said in your lovely introduction, And it's really a way to open the possibility for engagement and discourse between disciplines. I um, met my partner, Sayun Park, (laughs) (laughs) um, who is a a Korean sculptor, but uh, his foundation, formal training, is in architecture, as you noted. Um, So when we started the gallery, we were very aware that we were opening a gallery in the most competitive and saturated art market in the world. There's over a thousand galleries in New York City. Some put that at like fifteen hundred. Wow! So, I thought it
1: was six hundred, <laughs> but no. Um,
2: I suppose it depends on what constitutes as a gallery. Exactly,
1: but, but a thousand um, is a lot.
2: <laughs> so it is, and so the identity of the gallery was something that we very lucidly had to articulate from the beginning. So we looked to our background in performing arts and architecture to really be the North Star of the program. And um, we invite artists who are really considering the distinctions between disciplines, um, again, really opening that space, um, engaging in both performing art, design, and uh, visual art realms.
1: I think that's a a very unique uh, approach to to a program. Uh, I think sometimes, and understood certain uh, galleries shy away from this kind of work because they feel that perhaps it's less um, commercial in terms of sales. Um, so I always say that you can sell anything. You just need to know how to sell it. And, and I think um, the most interesting work really comes from that space to me because it occupies a space that is about research. It's about it's about other things that go beyond, you know, I'm not saying painting is not. Painting could also be research-based and it has a whole process. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just that it's, it's, it's a much easier thing have to place. So uh, you're very brave to, to to do that and but also i feel that um the artists recognize that institutions recognize that and i i feel that it is important to provide that space to artists that are working with a medium that is much more challenging and and difficult and i always like uh when i when people talk about performance and, and you, you you're at that, I mean, you come from a dancing background and, and I'm always curious because when I think about performance, no matter what performance it is, I think about the body. It's the body. Even if the body is not present, is the space that the body occupies and, and everything really always ends up with the body be the mind or be the physical body. So it's, it's a very interesting um, approach that you have with your program that I truly, uh, truly appreciate. Um, um, and I'm my next question, Clara, I love the way, Cla- my, uh, Clara, you're amazing. I, I have it all uh and and I think the next question is 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 very is very much in tune with what you've been talking about, which is how would you define your program? I think you've basically been talking about your program. I think um, perhaps you can go a little bit more in depth of how how do you define your program, uh, Enrique?
3: Um. I'm going to venture into saying something that uh, some people may not agree with, but since the beginning of our gallery, our program has been diverse, has been inclusive. It has touched on all of the subjects that we considered important In the last 20 years, not really thinking about what has become much more prevalent in the last few days. So I was always very interested in vanguard movements and things that were different in Latin America. And as I mentioned at the beginning, in in movements like the Madi movement that took place, in South of South America, in Argentina and Uruguay mainly, uh, and other vanguard movements. We were very interested as well in uh, conceptual movements in Latin America because of the fact that they were extremely different from what was happening in America and in Europe especially in Eastern Europe. I mean, I'm sorry, Western Europe. Western. Western Europe, <laughs> you know. And uh, and then, of course, in the contemporary world, because the contemporary world helps us understand what we are living and the moment that we are living in. So, you know, that's why I said that the gallery was always diverse and very inclusive. Um, it's, I think the gallery has a, has a definite personality. And if you go into our program and analyze it in depth and, and try to understand how one aspect of the historical part of it the, the more conceptual and the contemporary connect with each other, you will understand why I said that it's you know uh, inclusive and um, uh, what was the other word I used you know it, it, it shows all sorts of things um, you know it especially the contemporary, aspect of the gallery connects those two aspects the the historical part and the conceptual part by bringing into the picture where those two aspects connect and help us understand the history of what we present and how it relates to today
1: that's um uh, that's yeah um One thing that I wanted to comment on is uh, a recent exhibition that I think brought to light what you've been doing for many years now, which was the Radical Woman Show or exhibition that happened at the Hammer Museum as well as the Brooklyn Museum. I don't know how many of you got to see the exhibition, but... I became familiar with many of those artists thanks to you, um, but they brought him to light um, to a bigger audience.
3: Well, you know, uh, I I think women artists were always important. Oh, you know, by, I by the way, it
1: was it was a radical woman artist show or uh, the radical woman.
3: Right. Yeah. I think yeah. I think the Caribbean, with its racial mixture, has always. Presented uh, a very interesting program in itself Uh, I am uh, a gay man myself So the, the gender aspect of our lives I've lived with it since I was conscious of the fact that I was gay So all of those aspects were part of our program
1: no I I really appreciate it because uh, for those of you that got to see the show I felt that the the show in, at the Brooklyn Museum was really dense but um there were incredible things and incredible artists women artists that really really uh I didn't know about uh, I discovered some of them through through you and that particular exhibition. Um, Sean?
4: Well, I mean, my program's really a shit show. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Love it.
4: I I hope none of the artists are here. Um, (laughs) Some uh, of them are here? Are they? No, I hope not. Raise your hands. (laughs) I invited them, but they didn't come because they know it. Oh, Um, God. I mean, what can I say? My program is highly idiosyncratic. It's based on um, the artists I've shown, their recommendations to me about other artists I should show. Um, but from the beginning, I've always thought that the gallery was an artist-run space, even though I was, wasn't was making art. I thought of myself as an artist and sort of think like an artist in some ways. and. As a result, you know, the program kind of followed like, uh, you know, like four curatorial themes I was interested in at the time. And when I opened in 2006, I called the gallery Sunday and we were open on Sunday on the Lower East Side. And it was this idea that um, when Chelsea closed on Sundays, we were doing this cool thing over in the neighborhood. Um, I think all the galleries in Laurie's Side now hate being open on Sunday, and they probably stopped, but that was a trend at some point. Um, and that idea of Sunday was an extension of my own upbringing and my own interest. And as a result, the program kind of followed like my interest in religion or spirituality, um, sexuality, uh, semiotics, or the study of signs and symbols. And uh, regionalism. Earlier on, it was this idea of, like, American regionalism, you know, because I was raised in Texas. And so it was this exploration of, like, you know, the South and the North and the West and, you know, all these kind of superficial ideas. Um, But as the program developed, it became more about a sense of place, um, about an ancestral history, about one's identity, um, and still to this day, I still use those four ideas as touchstones, you know, a, a lot of the program uh, involves sexu- sexuality and, um, explorations of spirituality. I, I also have a space in Berlin that I've had on and off for several years. And we just opened a, sp- uh, a show there recently that was about Venus. And so, you know, these ideas continue to creep up. Um, but there's also something about materiality just because my own interest as a painter, um, sometimes I'm just drawn towards an object and I can't explain it. And I say, hey, we should do a show. Like, can you get this together? And they promise me they can. And then we hang it and it doesn't look like I thought it was going to, but still there was that like impulse to like, you know, do this. I've always thought that like having a gallery should just be like a spontaneous decision. It's, it's never like a program that I set out to create. It's, it's about meeting an artist trying to understand what they're doing and then giving them the platform to realize it. Um, It fails miserably often. Sometimes it's highly successful. Ironically, the times it's most successful are the times that it's rooted in New York. Um, And, you know, I, it reminds me of like a quote I heard from, from a a critic who I won't mention, but he said that New York's dirty little secret is that it's highly provincial. And, (laughs) You know, I got to agree. I mean, I've been here for 20-something years. I still feel like an outsider in a lot of ways. Definitely in terms of having a gallery and the program, it feels like an outsider program sometimes. Um, When I debut an artist who's not from New York, it's a lot of work. When I debut an artist who is from New York or who lives in New York, it's much easier. And the news travels quicker, the crowds are bigger, the collectors follow. Um, so sometimes I make those decisions too, but you know, they're always, um, they always go back to this idea of Sunday, which was October 6th, 2006, a sneaker shop that I could afford. I painted the walls white. I hung some paintings on the wall and we made it happen. And that's sort of what it is still. Um, although I just keep moving from space to space and whatever I can afford.
1: No, that's, that's, uh... That's one of the things that I have to... Sorry, um, I just have a
4: little on my throat.
1: There you go. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I have to comment on that I totally forgot about Sunday. That was such an interesting little moment, but big moment, because if you wanted to go see the show, you had to go on Sunday. And, and it's, it was a special it was really special. And uh, you didn't mention also the townhouse and also Berlin. I forgot about Berlin. No, I've had about and 18 spaces. Yes, about 18 spaces. So you continue sort of kind of turning the wheel. And I love that because that keeps things exciting and fresh. And and it's also exciting for artists. When you're a dealer or not you're a dealer, you're... Um, Hand, your other hand is actually pushing the limits, so you could actually grow and present things in a different way. So, I think I think the that, and that's another conversation. I think the gallery model needs to be also uh, revisited, and and I think people are revisiting it. A lot of people are. And it has been revisited in the past, but I think sometimes it gets so structured that this space is kind of got forgotten. So, uh, Jennifer, <laughs> okay, and 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 then after Jennifer's input, I'm going to bring all the questions together. So, because I don't want to bore you, I think it's, I don't want to have you here sitting for too long. So, Jennifer.
2: So our question was how we define our program, right? Um, I I think what was so nice about hearing your answers was that the the identity of the gallerist and the spirit of the gallerist, their values, is really coming through in all of these programs. And, you know, I, I just, you know, discussed the founding of our gallery in 2019 and Seyun's and my foundations and how that informs what we're doing. Um, when seyun found the space, I did not know him yet, and I absolutely would have not signed um, on that building, but uh, the architect and him was not deterred. It was uh, a former industrial laundry facility that had wow. been abandoned for many years in horrific condition. We're in the uh, East Williamsburg uh, neighborhood of Brooklyn. Um, But he built out the gallery space and he did that very lovingly and with great attention to atmosphere and light, his sculpture studio is uh, actually positioned right behind the gallery as well. But, you know, we were talking about the physicality of the viewing experience and how the body moves in this space. And that's something I think about with every show. But it's also very much about how the light moves in this space. And I think those are conversations that absolutely lend themselves to installation, sculpture, even fiber, the tactile experience of it. But I'm also very interested in how we can have those conversations with painting. And we do also show a lot of uh, painting in this space. And the physical pull on the body is always what I'm kind of... um, trying uh, to really bring out uh, in the program um, again our artists are working very much between disciplines uh, similarly a great interest in materiality and craft that the idea is important but you know the execution is paramount um, we have a you know, a very young program, but a very international program as well. Several of our artists are based in New York, but most are international. Um, we have artists on our roster from London, uh, Copenhagen, Berlin, Paris, and Seoul.
1: Um, I noticed, and, and I was like, wow. Uh, as, as an art fair on title, is, is also, we think, internationally. Um, this year, we have 32 countries participating. So it's the, the the most international. We always had like between 23 and 28 countries, but this year we push it to 32. Because I think this conversation, this uh, conversation, global conversation is important to and, and to hear of a gallery that is doing that to me, uh that's that's also breaking um uh, boundaries in in many ways. Um Um, Yeah. Um, Anything else that you would like to comment uh, about your program or or say about your program?
2: Despite its performance origins, we did pause that programming during the pandemic because it just felt too crucial to have those ephemeral experiences in person that... They were just experiences that could not be mediated through a screen, so that is um, a very important part of our program that has been paused. That will reintroduce next year.
1: No, that that's that was going to be, and I'm I'm gonna try to shorten this conversation a little bit because we could talk. I mean, we could talk all night, but. I don't know if you guys want to be part of the, this, uh, but, but...
4: but I was just hoping you could name all 32 countries that are at the fair.
1: Oh, my God. I know they're from all the continents, so that I know. Every single continent is there. We, we actually made that. Jeff here... Was, Jeff,
4: would you like to join us?
1: Yeah, Jeff should... I, I, I <laughs> so, anyway, so... I mean, the other questions that I have for you had to do with the pandemic, of course, because that everybody talks about that right now. But you mentioned it, Jennifer. The other question was how uh, social media has affected or how important it is now post-pandemic. Uh, how important is it to really have a physical space, and why uh, are our fairs a section? essential for a gallery, survivor, things like that. How do we perceive the future of of the contemporary art structure as we see it now? How do we perceive it? Uh, Basically, I threw all the questions in one, but you guys can decide what you want to answer or not. (laughs) Okay.
4: Actually, I'll start because I was thinking about this on the way over here. Um, I was thinking about the idea of social media and its impact upon uh, operating a gallery. And what I've noticed is that artists are actually making art for Instagram or making art that looks good on Instagram. And I don't think that's any revelation. Like, I think we're all familiar with the idea of making art that reproduces well, especially in this period where a lot of artists consume by jpeg but what i think is even more interesting is the collector culture that's emerged around this and the collectors that have emerged who feature their collections on instagram most often pictured immediately in front of the painting or in the middle and then the artist in turn asked me to be sure and prioritize the collectors who are featuring their collections on instagram so i don't know what to do with that but i was just an observation i had
1: um good observation
4: yeah but because historically in my operating of the gallery my approach was i hang the show i find art that i believe in i hang the show i get the critics in the critics write a review and then the collectors come to me now it's they don't trust the collectors don't trust the critics or any of these points of validation that i historically understood as being quality art So it's completely, I think, I think it's completely flipped it on its head in an uh, unexpected way. Um, And I generally don't find conversations about social media interesting, but I was thinking about them the way over how that this idea of the social media collector it's almost like a TikTok collector or something. Like But
5: well, well, I gotta jump in here because okay. that's a really good point.
4: Yeah, this is I, Jeff Lawson. Say in
5: the last five founder years, of the
4: collectors
5: Club. I'm Jeff Lawson, the founder of Untitled. Um and friends with everybody here and just I, I think that part's really interesting because collectors historically were very private. And now exactly. now they're not. Now there is this sort of concept well, because it
4: gives of success in theory, right? Yeah,
5: which I don't it's not good. It's not bad. It doesn't, it's just, it's new. It's new because I mean, let's also, the reality is as three gallerists, your objective is to present work that you think is important and to sell that work so that the artist can have a living and so that you can have a living. And that's incredibly important. And if, but,
4: but also guarded against um, being vehicles for extravagant pro profit Sure. The I mean, sure.
5: And flipping and all of that, like, that's, that's a whole, we yeah. could go down that road a different time. But like, it, it is interesting that collectors now, even as we look as an art fair to, to how like, collectors are much more willing to be visible now, whereas they weren't five years ago, 10 years right. ago. Right. And, and it's,
4: it's the selfie collector, right? Like uh, the, the, the way I would prioritize collectors would be someone who's going to safe keep and appreciate the artwork um, for long term, but the artists come to me and they say, "I want you to prioritize this person because they see this as a prominent collector, even though it's really just about the collector." It's it's very confusing to me, and it makes it, me feel old, quite honestly.
5: Well, okay, fair enough, and let's let's move on from that because this is, but to that point of. Instagram social media, it has very much changed the market. There's no two ways around it. There 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 isn't. So I think it's unique and we see a new space now that's less private. That's that's
1: true. It's definitely less private. <laughs> I see a lot of things in oh, yeah. social media that I'm You like, get
4: a lot of DMs on one? Like, yeah,
1: my God. It's like Times have changed, but you got to keep up with the times, you know? Otherwise, right, Enrique? How do you feel about it? it,
3: uh, I think (laughs) social media has definitely changed the entire way that we work with and see art. I personally do not have Instagram, for instance. I've actually never really gone into an Instagram account. My director, who is an expert, in social media does all of that and i trust her blindly so
4: you don't get pressure from your artists to have a presence on instagram
3: um i don't deal with that you know uh but you know having said that i do agree with the fact that social media has given us a much wider exposure uh, with the hope that the really good stuff gets further out and gets seen by a greater number of people. That's how I see it. I mean, I'm not interested in seeing some of the things that gallerists or collectors or artists publish. You know, that's that's the realm of private life, and I'm not really interested in that. Uh, In any event, I think fairs are very important. That's why I take part in fairs, because I think that even if you don't do well in an art fair it always opens something new and you get to meet either new artists or new gallerists or new collectors or you know think about how you would work in a different venue traveling to a new place where you've never been and you get to know museums and you get it's it's always an eye opener for me and that's and that's how I um, see it and um, you know in 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 try, trying to put together all of those questions in just one answer um, I also feel that the gallery model uh, has and will have to evolve and change. It is up to each one of us to deal with it how best you think it suits your uh um, goals and ideals um i've always felt that even within the latin american uh market which has gotten a great deal of more attention in the last years because museums all over the world are I'm collecting buying, buying yeah. and collecting latin american art but um i you know considering as I said, I don't have Instagram, so I'm kind of a of a classic sort of person. Uh, I'm gonna keep my model until I can run it that way, And if I have to change it, I'll wait until the need arises and sort of forces me to become something else
1: that That's beautiful. I think so. I I I, I agree. Um, <coughs> I I have to say when you mention about museums finally taking a hold on Latin American art, um, I also work a lot in the context of Central America, and I'm very proud of artists that we have been able to place at the Tate, at the Modern, at. Institutions that perhaps wouldn't even know so much about that particular region. So it's a huge accomplishment, and perhaps technology has something to do with that because it brings to light uh, things that perhaps didn't necessarily took from front stage in the in the past. Uh, Jennifer, well, I I liked the the question of
2: art our art fair is essential coming from untitled. Um. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I'm not trying to, to,
5: uh, but, but, it, but it's, it's,
1: it's important for us. It's important
5: for us to know. Oh, of course. As some, like as the owner of the fair, I just, I, we recognize the importance of them at the same time. We want to be open and hear the feedback yeah. and know what, really is there for you know you the gallerist what's important. So
2: right
5: obviously it's self indulgent as a question, but not yeah. entirely. But
4: also, I I'd really also, hoped also because we wouldn't have our because
5: fair. we are really trying
1: to push the boundaries of what an art fair is supposed to be. And we wanna hear and we want feedback. And I think with this year's edition we are making big big steps and we want to continue evolving we don't want to get stagnant we don't want to be just the art fair so that's why this question yeah I yeah
2: well I think the pandemic offered us a very interesting case studies a uh, case study you know for us to consider with the art fairs that were growing quite steadily in their dominance you know they had to go into hibernation with the restriction of. The pandemic, of course, and I experienced as a young gallery an incredible return to like an individual gallery program. All of my conversations had so much care and attention, acquisitions felt so much more purposeful. Um, But there is like absolutely no alternative to the exposure that a gallery gets at an art fair with tens of thousands, or in some cases, hundreds of thousands of visitors. And for me, it's very important that the pursuits that we have in the gallery, how we honor the artist's work, how we present it, can be carried over into the art fair model. And that is absolutely why I selected Untitled, was because of the attention to light and atmosphere and space. We know so well the importance of first impressions. And that, thanks well.
1: to, to Jeff here. Yeah. Jeff is a big... Um, a big mind behind having an architecturally designed space, having natural light, having all of that particular. Be the first yeah.
2: time that Carvalho Park is introduced to yeah. the fairgoers, our artists as well are being shown in the United States for the first time outside of our gallery at Untitled. So those impressions are really important. We feel like we can show the work, all large scale painting, you know, in the best means possible.
1: And as a curator for me what was attractive because precisely because of that, because I particularly, as I mentioned earlier, I appreciate works or or exhibitions or even my curatorial approach is about the experience, it's about the movement. So so I agree. And just to close this, I just wanted to say My point of reference was the Green uh, Green Park Exhibition of 1848 in London. So when people think about art fairs, they tend to think about the last 60 years. I go back to the 19th century. Uh, People forget about that. Uh, The Armory Show, 1917. So, you know, people need to open up and think that there have been other models, and models come and go, and... We have to move into the future.
0: So thank thank you all. This is working? No, this yeah. is not working. Yeah, working. this is working though. This is working. Okay. So let's leave it up now open to some questions. Is there any question from the public that you would like to? Yeah, we, can pass the microphone. Yeah, we will I will pass I will pass this microphone. one. Oh
1: Senior? okay.
0: Okay, sure. And please introduce, introduce yourself.
1: Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Mariana Kaliner.
2: You want me to? <laughs> sure.
4: Of course. I'm Mariana
2: Kaliner. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm a gallerist. TV. I'm opening a gallery at Lower East Side in November. And uh, actually, my question is, I have two questions to you as experienced gallerists
1: already. Uh, first of all, what would be your advice for the new gallery? Uh, and second is, I'm coming from a completely different place. I'm Finances, and I was in. I, I don't see it
0: now in the art space. How do gallery uh, galleries
3: collaborate between them? So, thank
2: you. Well, welcome. That's so exciting. Um, I, I think that most of the galleries, at least of my generation, the idea of a gallery being an island unto its own, and like the very competitive nature, that's starting to feel like something of the past. I find the New York gallery world, especially by neighborhood, um, to be very collaborative and community focused. I mean, I would just recommend knocking on people's doors and saying hello. Um, yeah, I find it actually a the New York art world. I, I find especially in the Lower East Side where you will be will be very welcoming.
1: Congratulations.
3: I mean, it's so exciting. Be brave. Jump into the water. Do what you want to do. Trust in what you want to do. And resist until the last drop of blood that's left in your body. (laughs) You will do it if you want to do it. It's just the way it goes.
4: I, I would just say quit if you can. Like,
3: like, <laughs> like, like, I love it. You're I, still, you're I, still I in mean, time.
4: Yeah, get out now. And as far as collaboration, I mean, yeah, I mean, collaboration's good in years one, two, three, four, five, until your artists are getting poached by bigger galleries. So That's
1: another issue.
4: Yeah, that's but, that's another the, but that's the reality of opening yeah. a gallery is, yeah. you know, you build a career and then they get picked yeah. up by someone bigger. So, um, Welcome. <laughs> hey, I'm Graham. I'm just a minor minor collector of gens. I was just wondering, are all three of you gonna be at Art Basel and what should we look forward to?
3: We are going to be uh at Art Basel, Miami with our gallery from Buenos Aires showcasing uh Buenos Aires artist a female artist that uh, works a lot with um, subjects related to uh, feminism, um, especially with works from the 90s. So we'll be there in the Nova section. Is that what it's called? Nova section? Yeah.
0: And Enrique, uh, can you talk a little bit more about the difference on the strategy about the gallery, both locations participating, one at Untitled and the other one at our Basel, Miami?
3: Um, yes, uh, for a time it started creating some problems because I think some of the, some of the members of the committees uh, did not understand that galleries that have a, 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 or share an, a name in common, which was the case, Um, so we've had to consider changing the name of one of the galleries so that they're seeing at they're seeing as separate entities but uh, you know we'll see what happens now Uh, now that I've more part and part of committees from uh, art fairs um, I try to let them understand that You know, the fact that they have uh, a name in common doesn't mean that you're trying to use things in the wrong way. I think both galleries serve different audiences and thus have very different personalities and should be seen as single entities. And, And we'll see what happens.
2: Hi. Hello. Um, so you're all showing it untitled Art this year. Could you tell us a little bit more about your presentation?
3: We're going to be showing three artists whose works connect because of the fact that all three artists are from the Caribbean. One is Venezuelan. The other is Trinitarian. And the other is Puerto Rican, interestingly enough, the three of them connect uh in in, in, in you know in in very different ways. but I think uh, you know and you guys who who go down there will see it by for yourselves. Um, one is the uh, a, 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 a Venezuelan artist has uh, Russian and italian. As descend. The other, the Trinidadian is Afro-Caribbean, and the Puerto Rican is uh, has some Taíno, Indian blood, mestizo. Uh, mestizo. So, you know, inclusion, diversity, all of those subjects that everyone is so interested in—they're going to be there. I think we're trying to do something sort of very curated, in the sense that. It will tell a story. It will become an experience to to walk into the booth and see what we're showing. I want people to understand that these three very different people connect uh in, in what they're doing because it's basically good. No, I um this is um uh, I'm Caribbean,
1: so um so for me. I, I have a, an affinity to the region, uh, so I'm very much looking forward to, I know I know most of the artists, so I, I know them all, <laughs> but, but I'm excited to see the works that you're bringing. Uh, Sean?
4: Yeah, I was just counting my head. I, I think this is the, I think it's the 15th year I've been in Miami doing an affair, and I know for sure one year I had nine mojitos one night. I, this year I'm going to try for ten. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I can do ten mojitos in one night. Should be a good time. I join you. You know, you can count on me. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll, we'll have those together for sure.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um... We are showing two artists from our roster, uh, who I mentioned will be shown in the United States for the first time outside of the gallery. One is London-based artist Julia Isildsen, and the other is Berlin-based uh, Maximilian Rudel. I find that they're both on very exciting trajectories, um, have each had um, institutional solo shows, um, and uh, it's you know my job to increase their visibility here. Uh, Yulia, her figurative paintings are um, on stretch silk. They're like these portals into these dream worlds um, with like tinges of mythology, but also social concerns. Um, Her figures like, emerge through this, like, very calligraphic line through these swaths of vegetation, these, like, very fluid, fantastical environments. Um, While they have this very cartoony appeal on the surface, um, there are um, also her concerns over um, social instability, climate, overpopulation, over-consumerism, uh, overabundance. Um, Maximilian Brutal also has these very like idyllic um, cloudscapes, but they too have almost the feeling of an aftermath. Um, he is painting with just like pulsing, subsuming color that really envelops the viewer. He's unbinding and opening the picture plane um, in a way that's really extraordinary. Um, he works on a very large scale, and um, I think we'll be bringing really exceptional uh, examples of his work.
1: That's great. Um, I, I I I think um, I think it's important to. Um, it, it showcase, uh both these artists uh, emerging, correct?
2: Yes, still very emerging. So,
1: so this is also something that we as a fair, uh, we have artists like Amy Noble this year that we are uh, focusing on as a first time. Um, uh, we showcase it, showcasing now every year historical artists I I would say Immunovol is historical because he's in his 80s and he's one of the masterminds behind minimalism. But also we, as a fair, we're committed to to what you do, which is um, emergent artists. So we truly appreciate that. And and actually, one thing that I have to say on title is known that a lot of the emergent artists that At some point, we're emerging, and now we pick name galleries. I can just go on that list. Um, But I hope you continue working with them. them. Yes, (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, thank you.
0: Any more questions? No? So thank you all for for this wonderful conversation. Thank you. great to have you. As part of this panel discussion and also the our podcast. And thank you, of course, all the audience for coming to the event tonight. Thank you.
1: Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And of was, course, we was, was see you a, all in was, Miami. Opening honorarium? day, November 28th. Oh,
1: oh, my God. $500 uh, a pop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> so see you all in Miami. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Okay. Mm-hmm.